To kick things off, gentlemen, on this edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast, I present a rant by Endo Mills. Uh, so, uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, what's the deal with airline peanuts? Like, I don't know, but... So, even today sell is the greatest... peanuts on airlines anymore because of allergies? I don't think so. No. Yeah. yeah, what's the deal with them not being back there? Everyone's allergic to fucking nuts now, apparently. Um, so today is a momentous occasion. Tugi has officially slaved, officially done slaving away and recreating accurate rosters for the entirety of NHL 23, which is amazing. Like hats off to you. Uh, you are, you're braver than I, my friend. I don't know if brave is the right word. (laughs) Stupider than I, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I decided, you know, when he gets his rosters ready, I'm going to play be a pro and have fun with be a pro. And not only was it a terrible experience, Tuki was also there to watch it all happen. Mm. And it was it was something that you do not want to wish upon anybody. The rosters are great, but the disparity between shoving uh, basically a borderline ECHL or overall player into the NHL is, is is ridiculous. I don't know who at EA programs or decides what overall you start out things off in. It's not good. It's not good. But then again, the game's designed to be played at with five out of ten attribute effectiveness. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. That makes no sense. Coincidentally, the same rating the game got uh, <laughs> from most major outlets. Exactly. It's crazy because once you crank up the attribute effectiveness to 10 out of 10, like what it probably should be by default, you see disparities between players. You see the top guys actually performing like top guys. And you see fourth liners or guys who are basically getting paid $1,000 a week in the ECHL playing like guys who get paid $1,000 a week in the ECHL. I think I described it best as going to a cookout. All the all the main dishes are burned charred and just absolutely disgusting but the potato salad is really good and the potato salad is Tugi's roster fittingly enough because he would bring the potato salad to the cookout that's three days three days to make that potato salad exactly (laughs) three three days like three months of hard work and working hard really three months because you know the fiasco with the height height and weight overalls and all that stuff Mm. Yeah. So, if you're on an Xbox Series console and you want to at least try to make NHL 23 a bit more passable, hey, check out my rosters under the name uh, 2GV1. Uh, my gamer tag that I still haven't changed because I was an edgy 13 year old is, of course, King Toogie still. Uh, I had 2G24, uh, lost that Xbox, and they have yet to purge the account uh, 15 years later. So. Cool beans. Sin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm just browsing for a I, for a viewer yeah. question here. I figured you were. I figured you were. We have a rather interesting viewer question that it's gonna be easy for Endo and I to answer, I think, but a little bit more difficult for Sin to answer. So I set him up to do a little bit of research here to try and come up with an answer. Uh, but yeah, today we have you know quite a few things to talk about. We're getting close to the trade deadline. This is our last week of shows before we take a little bit of a break a week from today. 
on Monday, the uh, 13th of February, should I say. Uh, Sin and I will be in Finland. Which is weird. Kind of crazy. 20th, but yeah, today's the 13th. What did I say? The 13th. Yeah, a week from today. Oh, right? oh, I thought I thought you said a week from today, and then we will be in Finland on oh. the 13th. But Maybe I did. Maybe I said it wrong. Who's to say? A week from now, we're going to be in Finland, so we're not going to be able to record a show uh, on Monday the 20th or Thursday the 23rd, but we should be back uh, for March 2nd, which is the day before the trade deadline. And if we end up missing two weeks of shows, then we'll be back on Monday the 6th, the day after, or a couple days after the trade deadline. So, hey, a whole lot of fun stuff coming up here in the next little bit and a lot coming up on this particular show we got to talk about a big trade deadline piece we got to talk about a future hockey hall of famer who plays for a california team and we got to talk about that mulleted prick in dallas getting punched in the face (laughs) oh you mean og kevin bacon that might have been the highlight of the nhl season during like the pregame this dude is on like camera, like a mug into the camera with this mullet. <laughs> At some point during the game, he argues with the guy, gives up the high ground, and gets punched in the mouth. Oh. You know what the best part about that is? What's that? That was pre-game. <laughs> the game he got started. punched in the mouth pre-game. So that means that there is a possibility within a 10 to 15 minute window, he got, he flexed on the camera and then got flexed in his jaw. Mm. That is amazing. Art. Art. It's, uh, Those damn it's script beautiful. writers, man. You know, the only thing that might be able to top that for me this week, and we'll, we'll mention it too, because there's not really too much to talk about with it, uh, was Nashville Predators prospect, goaltender for the Milwaukee Admirals, Yaroslav Askarov, uh, bench-pressing the net after winning a shootout. Um, this was a phenomenal past couple of days, a phenomenal weekend for just ridiculous highlights. Um, again, I said on Twitter, add the goalie bench press to NHL 24. Um, because let's be honest, they're not going to add the big features that we want, but at least if they add something gimmicky like this, I can be like, well, I got something I asked for, uh, because it's more likely that it gets added in. But yeah, shout out to Yaroslav Askarov, and now I know, uh, try to pull that off in your beer league without getting attacked. Yeah, also the mention, he also did the exact same thing when he had a shutout, also playing for the Admirals, in which he basically turned the net over. So like he... He like turned it over like the same way that he was bench pressing in that, but just closed it over and he just like went to celebrate with his team. Good character guy. Hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah, he figured out how to hold a stick too, which is a good thing as well. Pretty important for a goalie. Yeah. With that, before we get into viewer questions, as always, we need to mention that this podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends at manscaped.com. You can go there and use code Tugi. That's T-O-U-G-I-E for 20% off your order and free shipping. Of course, we have Uh, Had Manscaped as a proud sponsor of the podcast for a very long time now, and for good reason, as they keep taking the grooming game to new levels. And of course, out now is the Beard Hedger and the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Take care of your face. Give your face some proper care with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. And of course, they got you covered pretty much from head to toe. The Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, it's all there. So make sure to head over to Manscaped.com. Use code Toogie. You get the best tools. For the job. 
with that, gentlemen, we go over to viewer questions and we kick things off with Ender, uh, Jared, and Dipshit Supreme <laughs> all asking about the Super Bowl, which of course was last night. Did either of you watch the Super Bowl? No. The silence is deafening. <laughs> yeah, no, my mom was I, like, I watched mm. parts of it, but I just don't care enough. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was glad to see. I watched like the second half, pretty much. I didn't even want to catch the Super Bowl show, mm. um, or the halftime show, whatever. And it should yeah. be. And it is a Super Bowl show. It is the better part. Um, you know, it, it was it was a pretty good game. Um, halftime show as well was pretty solid. Endo Endo was worried about my take for a little bit. Yeah, um, but I thought, given that you know Rihanna, who was obviously the the headliner for the halftime show. Uh, given that she was pregnant, I thought it was a pretty damn good show. My only disappointment was just how loud the backing tracks were, given that she has a pretty dynamite voice. That was the only disappointment for me. Uh, it really takes me out of a live performance when you have like the hook of a song and you have the singer. Like, for example, let's say it was during Umbrella. She'll be under my umbrella and then take the microphone away and you still got the A's. I don't know what it is. Bothers the crap out of me. I know it's a rather consistent part of live performances. Just took me out of it a little bit. Solid seven, maybe eight out of ten. It wasn't the best of all time because nobody can touch Prince in the rain in Miami. But it was a pretty good halftime show. Um, so Ender's question was, uh, how many drugs? <laughs> I'll, read it, I'll read it verbatim. How many drugs was Mahomes on to put on a performance like that? Heading into the game. Patrick Mahomes, really fucked up ankle. Right before halftime, rolls his ankle again. There is no doubt, and they couldn't even necessarily hide it on broadcast, that everyone knows what's happening. You go to the locker room, you get a Toradol injection that would be enough to put down a small rhinoceros, and you keep playing the game. I'd be surprised if he remembers parts of the game, given how high he likely was to deal with the pain. Um, that said... Guy's a fucking badass. I mean, he had like a 25, 30-yard quarterback scramble in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's gotten to the point where the NFL hardly hides the fact of like, oh yeah, uh, we, players pretty much get injections in the locker room and go back out and play. Um, it's not exactly hidden. Um, Jared's question was, do you think the Super Bowl was scripted because there was a uh, controversial moment in the final two minutes? The answer is no, by the way. Um Along with that Mahomes run, you had uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts uh, fumble in the first half. That was recovered for a touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, the Eagles uh, punter fucked up. And the Chiefs returned this punt like, what, 60, 70 yards into enemy territory, uh, which led to that, I believe that final possession, it led to a touchdown and maybe it was the next possession. Um, yeah, the bottom line is the Eagles choked. Uh, the stat that was out there was that the Chiefs scored on every possession they had in the second half. You're not going to win the Super Bowl like that. It's just not going to happen. So I was rooting for the Eagles. Didn't happen. Um, and the final question was, how many rings does Mahomes have to win to challenge Tom Brady's resume? Uh, five more. Uh, Brady has seven. Mahomes has two. He's got a long way mm. to go. I'm going to say two more. Because I think he's the more talented quarterback. So if he gets Maybe. up to four, he could start to challenge it. I'm not oh, saying he surpasses okay. him, but I mean the resume. 
I, I don't know. It's like football is the one kind of sport where you can kind of give more of a personal um, like stake into rings mm. as in basketball, but not in hockey or anything like that. But still, there's still like a, a complete defensive side of the game, which is about half the time where you don't have the ball. Your defense has to get stops and Patriots defenses always seem to get stops at important times uh, mm. for the most part. Or Buccaneers defense. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, I'd, we all right, I'll, 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 I'll split the difference. I'll say three. If he gets three more rings, he's 100% like starting to challenge Tom Brady because I think he's the more talented QB, the more versatile QB. It's fair. And yeah. Two Super Bowls, two MVPs, two NFL MVPs for Mahomes. Brady with seven titles, five Super Bowl MVPs, and three NFL MVPs. We'll see. Mahomes is great. Like he's already on like a clear cut Hall of Fame track. At this point. Super God's young sake. too. He's what? He's twenty seven at this point. Yes. Yeah, he's twenty seven. <sighs> Long way to go. Yeah, especially considering quarterbacks and how they play can play pretty deep. Mm. We'll yeah, see. I mean, there's. Yeah, I mean, if he plays until Brady did, he's got eighteen more years. <laughs> I don't know if he'll do that, and if he does, like. I, th- I think he's a good enough thrower to be able to do that. But again, a large part of his game is his mobility. Mm. And then you have to consider, are these injuries going to start adding up? Ankle injury, fucking playing through it on drugs. Like, got better hope yeah. that doesn't linger. And because, yeah, then there's a lot of variables and X factors. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. I mean, again, I just, I don't know. Like, I get it. You know, like, the narrative's annoying. But, um you know, the one downside is, guess what? Every quarterback who looks like they're going to have a bit of greatness going for them is immediately going to be like, oh, well, here's the Tom Brady comparison. It's going to happen with the, you know, the goat of the sport. Like, I mean, sometimes it pans out, though. Here's LeBron James, the next Michael Jordan. And it turned out to be right. But then there were others where it's like, this is the next this guy, the next that guy. And it it does get tedious from time to time. From AJ, what would you rather take on? An alien invasion <laughs> or a zombie apocalypse? Cool. Uh, clearly spurned on by the second question. Uh, UFOs or spy objects? What do you believe? Well, that technically could be both. Yeah. UFO just means unidentified flying object. Doesn't have to be extraterrestrial. So until mm-hmm. you're not confirmed it's a spy object, it is a UFO. And then you can confirm it's a spy object. And then it's no longer a UFO, but it can be both, just not at the same time. So, first and foremost, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Sin. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse, clearly. Really? Because oh. if there is an alien invasion, how complicated that is means it's very likely that they are way more technologically advanced than we are. Which means we're fucked. Mm. Absolutely fucked. You can deal with a zombie apocalypse. You have you have the advantage from the technical you know technological standpoint, better chance. It's a zombie apocalypse. Easily. Easily. Okay. Endo go, because I have a I have a long answer. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um I would rather deal with an alien invasion. Really? Um, yes. 
uh, either one, they're so much more te technologically <clears throat> advanced. They just wipe us out quickly. Great. Easy. Done. Or it's a more longer drawn out war, in which case you go full XCOM and you're able to reverse engineer some technology. You have a fighting chance and the world may be unified for once. And we'll get to experience what that's like. On the other hand, zombie apocalypse is fucking terrifying because you it's look at how we handled a pandemic. Mm. Uh, no one's going to be unified. Everyone's going to be blaming each other. Um, you have to deal with the fact that someone you love gets infected and you have to make the choice to kill them. And that is one of the most psychologically fucked up things that you will ever have to do in your life. Or you see someone that you know, used to know as a zombie, also psychologically fucked up. Um, yeah, it's just going to be horrible. Even if you survive, humanity is absolutely screwed. Years and years of trauma and other horrible, you know, fallout from that economy is ruined. There won't even be a good reset. Rich fucks are going to, you know, continue to hoard all the resources for themselves, live as comfortably as possible while normal people are the ones to suffer the most. Um, whereas in an alien invasion, those people would have to sacrifice their recess resources for the survival of humanity. So that's why I prefer an alien invasion because in my opinion, it goes a little bit better. Either you're wiped out pretty quickly or you have a fighting chance and maybe a win. And then you have all this dope and based technology for the rest of existence. Well, you, you won me over buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, I zombie apocalypse from a gaming standpoint. Fuck yeah, that's great. You know, love zombie games, but yeah, just like the realistic psychological like shit that you'd have to deal with is is intense. You know, I I can't argue that. I can't do it. He was he was prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used to play a lot of Left 4 Dead and stuff with friends where I was talking oh, about yeah. like the zombie apocalypse and what we do. It's like, then you have to think about the reality. It's like, fuck dude. Like you may have to <laughs> legit kill your girlfriend or your wife or your mom, or your dad or your sister. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> you got me there. Aliens, man. That'd be pretty cool to see an alien. What if they're just like, what if they're not even like invasively, like they're invading, but they're not like mean. You're just kind of like, hey, yo, like, I'm gonna move I mean, over here. In invasion implies that they're attacking, in my opinion. But yeah, yes, okay. I would agree with that. But even in the, uh, even in the scenario of, hey, aliens visit and they're and they're friendly, we'll fuck it up. The oh, human yeah. race will fuck it up, oh, and 100%. they will become hostile because yeah. we'll become hostile to them first. Yeah, of course. So <laughs> the groundwork for that is just laid out in literally everything happening now. Well, I'm depressed. <laughs> Thanks, AJ, you prick. Yeah. Good uh, question. It's fucking Canuck, his Canucks are bad, so he has to make us feel depressed afterwards anyways. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Spencer Martin got sent down. He wasn't the answer. <laughs> Fuck everything. <laughs> From Young Burrito, and this was the uh, the viewer question we were referring to. What was the worst trade, in your opinion, from each of your favorite teams. Endo, do you have one that isn't Andrew Raycroft? Mm, no, I don't know. I'll have to look back at the the, the well, history of the Toronto Maple problem. Leaf trades. Oh, here's boy. the problem of that. Uh, NHLTradeTracker.com, phenomenal site. 
There are 29 pages worth of trades in the Toronto Maple Leafs history. Um, so good luck looking back through. Raycroft is probably the the go-to one there, right? Makes sense. It could have apparently been Tyler Myers, though. Elliot Friedman uh, commented on the rumor that popped up. Uh, he said, number one, the Myers trade's not happening. Earlier in the season, there were talks, but not now. Toronto's looking for a forward, not a defenseman. The Leafs were talking about acquiring Tyler Myers earlier this season. Oh, boy. I mentioned last week, man, I'm not sure about Kyle Dubas' approach. And hearing that, that you were even just being like, you know what, Tyler Myers, I can fix him. That doesn't do it for me. For the Boston Bruins... There are a lot of options. Uh, if you go to NHLTradeTracker.com, they have a section of worst trades, uh, one of which uh, includes them sending uh, Christopher Stieg to Chicago, which worked out very well for them. Uh, then you have two more notable ones, Tyler Sagan to the Dallas Stars, which, oh boy, uh, to get the, uh, the full details on that one again, it was Tyler Sagan, Rich Peverly, and defenseman Ryan Button for Louis Erickson, Joe Morrow, Riley Smith, and Matt Frazier. Terrible Yikes. ruins. That's really rough. That's a bad and, one. And then there's the Joe Thornton trade. This has to be the worst. You got fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah. So the Joe Thornton trade, for those who uh, might not properly recall and we'll get the uh i'll bring the full details back up here because the bruins actually made a couple of trades uh with the sharks around that time why am i having trouble finding the full details i know most of the full details i just want to make sure i don't forget um god why did the bruins and sharks make so many trades in 2003 to 2005 jesus you know, GMs get comfortable trading with one another. I don't know. That's a lot, though. Holy shit. They made a lot of trades. So, yeah, indeed, the Joe Thornton trade. I was wanting to make sure there weren't any picks. Uh, I was right in what it was. Nope. Wayne Primo, Brad Stewart, and Marco Sturm for Joe Thornton. Such a good trade. <laughs> for us. That, you know, if we were talking about the best trade for the Sharks, that might very well be it. Yeah. Um, it is. 100%. Fuck. Um. You know, Brad Stewart was traded within a couple of seasons. Uh, Wayne Primo didn't last long at all. Marco Sturm was there up through 2010. Um, he was the best part of that deal. And obviously Joe Thornton was uh, a shark for the next decade plus. So, yeah. Um, and very good, too. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Bruins, uh, I could also even mention the 2015 trades of Milan Lucic and Dougie Hamilton. Uh, both fetched 2015 firsts that the Bruins <laughs> did uh, absolutely fucking nothing with because it always comes back to this draft. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, by the way, uh, 51 points in 51 games for the Carolina Hurricanes this season. But he likes museums, so fuck him. Um, <laughs> San Jose. The whole point of this brings us to San Jose, in which, Sin, you and I were both looking over their histories. Their their worst trade doesn't even scratch the surface of, like, the, ten, the top. Like, your worst trade would not be probably in the top ten of bad Bruins or Leafs trades. No, it's actually impressive. 
Now, I have a few that are notable, but it's hard to say this was really bad. Um, I'll go back, starting with the earliest in uh, 1993 on June 26th, likely the draft day. Uh, the Sharks gave up the second overall pick, which turned into Chris Pronger. Mm. We got Sergei Makarov, a the sixth overall, which did turn into Victor Kozlov. And then two other, like the second and third, which... I don't know, Vili Peltonen. I don't know if that rings a bell. Uh, Vlastimil Krupa, uh, he played, but not too much from the Sharks, for the Sharks, mm. as I recall. But, like, Kozlov is decent, Makarov, I guess, but, man. None of them are pronger. <laughs> no, imagine if the fucking Sharks had a career Chris Pronger. Especially and, in 93, the franchise is new, and you kick off yeah. with Chris Pronger being the guy. Yeah, cons- and considering how much trouble Chris Pronger then gave us. <laughs> especially on the blues in the playoffs. Fuck. Spent almost his entire career in the West too, except when he went to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Another notable, um, in 1997 on January 25th, we traded Ulf Dahlen, Michael Sikora, Chris Terreri for Ed Belfour, mm. who didn't last mm. long. Didn't play with us beyond that season. Yeah. In theory, not a, bad idea to get ed bell for at that time it if I'm wasn't not mistaken, but... like it wasn't horrible but i don't mm. then we also Ron- acquired Ronger that one's worse but you're right that's an honorable honorable that same year I mean... we also acquired mike vernon so like we were like, mm. like our goalies suck let's get too bad <laughs> hilariously in that mike vernon trade um two seconds were exchanged one of them was maxim linick the second one 47th overall sheldon keith <laughs> wow yeah. Legend. Yeah, legendary. Now, this one here, it's tough to kind of tough tough because it's it wasn't a bad trade at the time, especially considering what happened like kind of directly after in these years, but it's the fallout from it makes it a horrible trade. We acquire Vander Kane for a conditional first, Danny O'Regan and a fourth. Now, not a bad trade. The first turned into Ryan Johnson, who I believe is was in college. I don't know if he's still in college right now. He, he is was still, committed. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what his numbers are. I didn't bother to check him out. But through this trade, we re-signed Evander Kane, so they got that pick. It didn't turn into a second. In which case, that forces us to lose Joe Pavelski. And then mm. Evander Kane does Evander Kane things. We get to get out of his contract for free, but you 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 lost Joe Pavelski because of it. Joe Pavelski, who is still killing it, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan yep. Johnson, by the way, is in his final year at the uh, University of Minnesota. Um, not like a huge point producing guy, but still solid. Like looking decent, like yeah, you know, defenseman looking yeah. like he could live up to that first round pick, Billy. So yeah, though out of those three, it's hard. I would honestly say my the worst one, just based on like the trade alone, is the one because Kozlov was decent, but again, it's Chris fucking Pronger. We know the kind of career he had, especially in the '90s and 2000s. Now imagine the universe: 2005 Chris Pronger is playing with Joe fucking Thornton on that team. That was before we had Burns, before we had even Boyle. <sighs> yeah, what's funny is I'm looking at this too. The shark season, that was the 93 draft you mentioned, right? The Pronger mm-hmm. was taken. Yep. Next year, the Sharks made it to the second round. 
year after second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, missed the playoffs. Missed the playoffs. Quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. Second round. Quarterfinals. Second round. Uh, yeah. Missed the playoffs. Conference finals in 0304, losing to Calgary, and then the lockout. You have a defender like Chris Pronger on those rosters to help push that team further. Mm-hmm. I don't. Who's to say? I mean. You know, sure, in the West, there was the, you know, the buzzsaw Red Wings, of course, Colorado, you know, obviously, uh, moved, you know, relocates from yeah. Quebec uh, for the back half of the 90s. Dallas wins a cup in that time. Um, yeah, and then you look at Chris Pronger's stats from those times. Not only was yeah. he an incredible shutdown defenseman, the man put up points. It's kind of what they needed to be competitive with those teams from the West yeah. that did end up winning cups. 100%. 100%. How do you stop Forsberg and Sackick? Big ass defenseman in the air who can clutch and grab and who puts up points as a booming shot. Like he was the epitome of what the best defenseman was in those days. And if you get a player like that, it makes it a lot more appealing to go play hockey in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Believe in That's, that time, yeah, in that time frame too. Early, like in the mid '90s, we acquired Dim- Vincent Domfus. Like we were trying in a lot of ways, and it just that wasn't. We weren't quite putting it together quite yet. But yeah, that is. Uh, I would say maybe that's the worst trade. I think it would be too. I think it would be. Uh, to leave some Bruins fans in particular, let us know uh, if we failed to mention anything again. For the Leafs, the most obvious one. Rask for Raycroft that comes up, but I'm sure there are some other ones. Again, the Leafs have uh, one of the longest, if not the uh, longest list of trades made by an NHL team, because of course they do. They've been around uh, since the beginning. So with that, one other question, and it will kind of uh, switch into our first big conversation of the day uh, from Bring Back the Sound Tigers, of course, with the trade deadline drawing near outside of Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer. What players would you consider to be the biggest domino to fall? That brings us to Jake Chikrin. Now, today, uh, Coyotes head coach Andre Torigny, or however much French spin you want to put on it, uh, informed the media uh, that uh, Chikrin will be a healthy scratch for the entirety of this week as the Coyotes continue to work on a trade for for Chikrin. Now, the deadline's about three weeks away, as we mentioned. Uh, the Kings are still heavily rumored with Brant Clark maybe, maybe not involved. That's been weird. Um, then again, it's been weird for LA in general. Uh, they retired <laughs> Dustin Brown's number and unveiled a, a Ronaldo-esque statue outside the arena that looks like fucking Grizzly Adams. Ronaldo-esque um, also because he's brown. <laughs> Maybe that was the point because Dustin Brown. Still, it should have been the goddamn squirting the water bottle backwards, and it's a fountain. Come on, how'd you miss this? <laughs> I will die on this hill. The man was ah. a meme. I don't care if he went one cups. He was still a meme, and you should have memed him in the statue. I, I can't. I can't think of him with the water bottle without the the meme caption of "I can yeah. count to potato." I know. I, <laughs> it's it's just so, it's so perfect, and I don't know why that wasn't it. But, you know, oh, God. Um, So, yeah, the Kings are still very much rumored. And let's be honest, Chikrin is, I would argue at this point, the biggest domino to fall. 
in terms of just getting things going. He's not the biggest name uh, that I would say would be Eric Carlson, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, but this is like that one domino where it's like two years now of waiting to see if this guy is going to get traded. He still hasn't. If that move finally happens, whether it is to L.A. or a Boston or whoever, uh, it should help that kind of pipeline really kind of get going and get some other moves up and running. Uh, it kind of sucks how long and drawn out this whole process has been. That doesn't help the comparisons that people have been making with the NBA, where it's like on Twitter, it'll be one second with, with Shams just being like, I have word that Kevin Durant's being traded. And then two seconds later, the official team account, Kevin Durant's been traded. Like that's how it works in the NBA In the NHL. It's like a fucking, <laughs> it's like, it's like a marathon at this point. Like it's, it's like we're back in fucking ancient Greece. And this guy's having to run from one side of the country to the other to deliver the goddamn message. Uh, it just takes a ridiculous amount of goddamn time. Um, Dare I make the comparison to uh, uh, the fucking Paul Revere at this point? I mean, Jesus, <laughs> it's just it's just so long and drawn out. I fucking hate it. I want Chickering to get traded. The LA Kings make a hell of a lot of sense. They have a buttload of prospects, and they need another difference maker on the blue line. Um, Drew Doughty has really returned to form. Their their next guy, I mean, Mikey Anderson's a really solid defensive defenseman. Sean Dursey's not a bad offensive defenseman, but man, if you can, you know, if you can add a Chikrin to that, and in terms of like point producing defensemen, it's Dowdy, Chikrin, and Sean Dursey, you're looking a hell of a lot better heading into the playoffs. And again, they have a lot of freaking guys that they could give up to make this happen. Um, it just looks like the holdup is what Arizona would want back because obviously they're going to demand as much as they possibly can. Um, but yeah, that that trade needs to happen. Please, God, just let it happen already. I thought it was going to happen today because I put out my rosters. And it still might. It still might. I'm excited to see how quickly my rosters are out of date um, thanks to this goddamn nonsense. Eric Carlson. Ten years ago today, suffered an absolutely devastating Achilles injury. But now... That long ago? It was yeah. ten years ago. Holy fuck. I know. I, uh, I, I didn't think so either. <laughs> but yeah, he was, uh, he was 22 years old Jesus. at the time that it happened. Wow. February 4th. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I guess with leap years, but February, yeah, February 14th, 2013, an article was put on NHL.com saying he was going to be, uh, or that he underwent surgery already. So yeah, we have oh, passed man. 10 years. It might not actually be 10 years ago today, uh, but it was 10 years ago that that uh, injury happened, um, which is crazy, which is absolutely crazy that it's been that long. Um, and it's obviously insane, you know, arguably the story of the season to see how he's turned things around. Uh, the stat line is out there. He needs 27 points in his last 28 games to become just the sixth defender in NHL history to hit 100 points in a season. Uh, he would join Paul Coffey, Al McKinnis, Brian Leach, uh, Denny Potvin, and Bobby Orr. Now, Edmonton, 
they are apparently exploring, trying to work out a deal to acquire Eric Carlson. <laughs> I love it. I love it because you can make this trade with Edmonton. <laughs> In what has back. become my favorite segment, Sin's deadline scenarios, <laughs> Sin's trade <laughs> scenarios. I love hearing what you'd want to get from a team. Um, the Oilers right now, uh, current cap space on cap friendly, deadline cap space, both listed at just under $2 million. Um, Eric Carlson, obviously making 11. Um, I don't know what that deal would look like to make it at 50%. You know, yeah, it is more than 11, isn't it? Yeah, um, we're not retaining all of it to make it at 50%. It's going right. to have to be a three-team tra- trade in that case. But we shouldn't even retain. Yeah. We should try to avoid retaining any. But I mean, even if you bring it down to like $9 million, that's not bad. Yeah. No, especially um, not for a guy who's likely hitting 100 points. No matter. And if he gets traded to fucking Edmonton, he's hitting 100 points. Mm-hmm. Maybe Gee, even dude. 110, 115. And win every game seven to six with Eric Carlson, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisler. <laughs> yeah, I hope they do it. I just want to see the absolute crazy. I would. I'll watch every Edmonton game if this trade happens. I already watched probably more full Edmonton games than Sharks games this season, just because. Yeah, I'll say it again. You got to watch Connor McDavid. He's just <sighs> looking at the cap. Two and three quarters, 2.75 for Warren Fogle. The $3 million cap hit of Yessi Pugliarvi. Throw Yeah, you'd have to throw him in as a sweetener, though, because he's, I mean, he's been waiver bait, so he's not a big yeah. piece. I would love Pugliarvi, don't get me wrong. I want him, but you can't act like you really want him, you know? <laughs> three and a quarter of Cody Cece. Ooh. How many years left on that? <laughs> Uh, through 2025. Ugh. Ugh. And then Kyler Yamamoto at 3.1 million through next year where he'll be an RFA. I'd love Kyler, honestly. Those are the cap hits that stand out that would have to, at least one or two of them would have to come back. Give me Kyler Pooley RV. Fuck CC. Honestly, I mean, that's $6.1 million between the two of them. And that frees up pretty much the space they would need to get it done. Um, now, you can sit here and be like, okay, well, with the way they've talked about Pooley-Arvey, is he that major of a loss? Probably not with the way it's gone for him. Is Warren Fogle replaceable? Yes. Is Kyler Yamamoto replaceable? Yes. Like, the bottom line is they could easily get rid of these guys and bring in other dudes to fill out the bottom six um, whether internally or via other minor trades that really wouldn't see the offensive quality take that big of a hit. Let's be honest with, with how that's gone. Um, so the big question then Sid, is knowing that cap wise, this can work is assets. Now the Oilers have their first round pick in each of the next three seasons. Going to have um, to be minimum two of those. Minimum two. Yeah, Mm. especially if we're taking back all that cap. That's fair. Again, like Eric Carlson, I don't care what people say about his last few years. This is him being back to what he was. Mm. And at a time when everyone think it wasn't possible, look at like the team he's on doing this. His value is sky high. I made it. I made a joke on Twitter 
or I'm like, you know, how, you know, tables have turned people. It's now like you, you can't afford Carlson based on his fucking trade value rather than his AAV. Uh. Like that's how it's looking. He is that good. He's going to win the Norris. Like it's In already settled. <laughs> In terms of prospects. Uh, former 38th overall pick, 22 years old, Raphael Lavoie, the joie, whatever you prefer. Um, I want Broberg. You know, doing, doing pretty good in the AHL. I was going to get to him. Uh, Xavier Borgo, who was the 22nd overall pick back in 2021, uh, playing in Bakersfield right now, 21 points, 45 games. It's okay. Um, Dylan Holloway, 14th overall pick in 2020. Nine points in 50 games with the Oilers this season, but it's proven to be pretty strong defensively. Um, kind of reading like another pool, ERV, for being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed Schaefer was the 32nd overall pick this year for the Oilers, playing with the Seattle Thunderbirds, just under a point per game. Those are all the forward options. Defensively, Philip Broberg is out there. Um and he he's probably the best one. And then like Olivier Rodriguez in goal, which eh, no, eh. yeah, I'd want Broberg in that deal. You got to get back a defenseman of some sort. Um, mm. and I don't want it to be Cody C. You see, I want the cap hits to be taken care of in, like you know, like I said, uh, Arvi and Yamamoto. You may have to kick them back a a forward so that they're not too parched. Because uh, yeah, see the problem with throwing in uh Benino, he's making like two point one. You retain half yeah. on that because it's only this year. Um, right. 100% retain half on that. Yeah, I, I want – so if, I, if we're getting Broberg, then you cut out one of those firsts. But I still think you get – you have to get a pick. You have to get the first for them. They're going to go all in. That first is useless to them. So give us the first. First, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, Broberg. Broberg. And then Carlson with some sort of retention – Maybe a three-team deal, and that team will get their second or something like that. Or, maybe, yeah, depending on the, you know, uh, retention. But, yeah, it's – they have – you know, they're going to have to get – because I know a lot of Oilers fans are like, no, we can't give up Broberg. Motherfucker. Like, you have to give up something. Every team, you need to give up something. It's true. Um, the way I see it, with the Oilers' perspective – First round pick, especially this year, go for it. Who cares? Your your goal is to make the playoffs. Uh, and if you don't think you're going to make the playoffs this year, then your GM should be fired because you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, They are currently third in the Pacific. Um, I will say with Yamamoto and Pugliarvi, it's time to cut bait with those two. They are not going to be what you thought they were going to be on that Oilers team. And then Broberg, do you want to keep Broberg and hope he turns into what Eric Carlson is right now? Or do you just want Eric Carlson knowing that he's Eric Carlson? Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally, I hear that trade. I'd have to, you know, really kind of see what the finalized thing would be. I don't think that's that bad of a deal for the Oilers at all. Like, again, a first round pick that should be outside of the lottery. Two players who just aren't necessarily working out. I mean, Yamamoto has eight points, 12 points in 31 games. So he's at a .39 point per game pace. Pugliarvi is great defensively. He's at a .22 uh, 
in terms of point per game. They're not major losses. The first isn't a major loss. And instead of hoping that Broberg becomes Carlson, you just have what Broberg could be right now. Yeah. You know, in terms of the idea of like where Eric Carlson could go, Edmonton, man, you make it work cap wise. The potential's there. Like I said, I, I don't really see how you couldn't replenish what a Puliyarvi or a Yamamoto provide um, through minor trades. You know, whether or not it's, I mean, you're telling me you can't get a dude who has 11 points in 51 games. You can't get someone to replace him for a fourth round pick. You know? I mean, Jesus, like the last week, the word was Puliyarvi might get put down through fucking waivers. Like, yeah, that's how the Oilers view him as a potential waiver worthy player. You can find someone to replace him that might be a better fit for the system. Yep. I like it. Timo Meyer, though, I wanted to talk about really quickly, too. The whole Timo Meyer to New Jersey thing is still kind of there to the point where there was a report. This sounds like bullshit to me, but let's run with it because it's fun. Uh, word around the league is that New Jersey has told San Jose to give them a call before trading Timo Meyer to anyone else to give them a final shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker where fuck you. Luke Hughes and Simone Nevich are, are, are untouchables. Fuck you. You're not getting Meyer. <laughs> Sorry. You have nothing else good. I don't care how deep they say their prospect pool is. You got to give us one of Hughes or, or, or Nevich. So, yeah, if they don't, you Holtz know, is trash. Um, sorry, you'd be you have to look at Dawson Mercer like Chase Stillman was a first round pick, but some considered to be a, a reach. Um, Yeah, if those two are off the board, it's Dawson Mercer. Uh, Tice Thompson definitely isn't in the conversation. It's Alex Holtz, but, you know, Sin's thoughts on Alex Holtz. Um. Like, I'm looking through. I mean, I don't blame the Devils for not wanting to give up those two defenders. But then who is it? Yeah. You know, you, you, you do have other guys. Uh, God, even Seamus Casey fell to the second round this year. You know, they got some guys who are in that kind of high second territory in terms of draft picks. Myers, um, amazing in an RFA. <laughs> you'd, you'd pretty much have to start at Dawson Mercer, who... He's on pace for 45 points this year. I don't think the devil's going to want to give him up either. Yeah, that's so, like, they have nothing. Like, you're fucking, can't have your cake and eat it, too. And it, that does kind of sound like what they're hoping for, doesn't it? A hundred percent. Like, and devil's fans are nuts. Like, uh, they're straight up nuts if you're, like, completely agreeing with this and giving up all these weird, it, it's, no, like, you're, I'm sorry. Even, you, even if. The only way this works is you get us fucking five first round picks because you're huh. going to be good in the next five years anyway. Like, that's the only way this works without Hughes or Nemich on the table. Like, I'm sorry, Alexander Holtz can't skate. You need to skate in today's NHL. Final talking point here. Quickly wanted to mention the, uh, the New York Rangers as well. Uh, they've been the league's best team since January 1st. Vladimir Tarasenko scored. In his first game as a Ranger, um, alongside uh, best friend Artemi Panarin, 
Um, Panarin, by the way, had a, a four goal game against Carolina because Jesus, um, Artemi Panarin is obviously insane. Um, worth noting though, too, Sammy Blay actually scored his first uh, goal in his first game back with the Blues. He had zero goals in 54 games as a Ranger. Um, Patrick Kane had a quote about the Tarasenko trade to New York where he said, it's not the happiest I've been to hear about a trade. I think the Rangers are a team you want to pay attention to and are definitely intrigued by for obvious reasons. Well, Patrick, maybe you should have made up your mind faster about whether or not you actually wanted to get traded. There you go. Stay in Chicago. You two deserve each other. You and the owner. Um, Before the Rangers, so you get Tarasenko, immediately pays dividends. Panarin's obviously still insane. You're the best team in the NHL since January 1st. They do still have some problems. And that biggest problem right now is arguably, hey, here's another former first-round pick who probably isn't working out. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, for what I believe is like the third time, <laughs> has requested a trade, reportedly. Um, And, you know, we've talked about it a lot with the Rangers. Their draft history and their, you know, kind of failure in some regards to develop prospects is still concerning. Yep. Um, you know, you go back to 2020 Lafreniere first overall has 78 points in his first 187 games. Not what you would expect for a first overall pick, especially for someone who was highly as highly touted as he was. Yeah. Um, you know, they also got Braden Schneider on defense. He, he's been okay. He's got he has 96 games already. The year before that was Capo Caco second overall. 86 points in 210 games as a second okay. overall pick. Year before that in the first round, Vitaly Kravtsov requesting a trade. Only 48 games played. They have Ke'Andre Miller, who's awesome. Uh, and then Nils Lundqvist, who they traded to Dallas at the start of the season. 2017, Elias Anderson, who plays for LA's minor league team. Uh, and Philip Heedle, who's on the roster. Uh, went a couple years without first-round picks because they weren't really going for it. Brings us back to 2012 with Brady Shea, who was fine, but he's with Carolina. JT Miller in 2011 hasn't been a Ranger in forever. Dylan McElrath in 2010. <laughs> Lol. Wasn't he like um, the fifth overall? Tenth. Oh, whatever. Still bad. Kreider the year before that, and then 2008 was Michael Delzato. Delzato. It's been... It's been a weird 15 years of the Rangers in terms of high draft picks and yeah. how many developed, how many have been moved. It's been it's been a time. Lafreniere craps off in a first. <laughs> you know. <laughs> For Meyer. Would you take Capo Caco Kravtsov off in a first? No. You want you want Lafreniere. Yeah, give me a lot. Yeah, I'll, I'm sorry. Kako is, yeah, give me, give me Lafreniere. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Lafreniere Capo in a first. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the funny thing you is, you say Fuck this the first, give me Lafreniere Capo and Kravtsov. There you go. We'll take all your problems off your hands. You know, what's funny yeah. is, you know, you say stuff like this and it's, it's acceptable. Like, it is. You know, I know you Rangers fans won't think like, so. But. Hey, these are highly touted. Like that—that's kind of how you know when it's you're, you're somewhat on the right track. Is the idea of hey, other teams would say you're out of your goddamn mind because it's like hey, guess what? I value my my guys somewhat properly. You could argue too much, but 
it is that kind of fine line between just, you know, how much do you value your own prospect versus what you can get back. But, you know, again, Sharks don't have to deal Timo Meyer. They don't have no. to deal Eric Carlson. It no. might be in their best interest moving into yeah. the new era, but they the, don't have to do it, especially at this trade deadline. The bigger best interest is move Carlson. That's the more pressing matter. Like, you don't don't have to fucking move Meyer, especially and if you move Carlson. There's your money to sign Meyer. Right. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> wow me if you want Timo Meyer. Like, he's being treated like Horvat. And it's, it's, I mean, the narrative disappeared that he is, you know, should get a similar return. That's... Thank, thank you for that, because we all know he's so much better. But like people are acting like the Sharks have to trade him. They absolutely do not. And if you want him, fucking wow me. And how you wow me is, yeah, throwing Lafayette. I don't care if he's a former first overall. Like Tugi said, he has so-and-so points, and you know it's he's underperforming. I don't care if Capo Caco is second overall. He's underperforming. Kravtsov, you fucked him over. Wine him, dine him, yeah. give him Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah. With that, everybody, we'll wind things down for our first show of the week. We'll be back later on to hopefully talk about a Jake Chickren trade. For the love of God, please get that over with. And uh, I can't wait to see how he's a Boston Bruin somehow. That'll be interesting. Uh, until then, Endo Mills, more be a pro. Oh, I'm not going to play be a pro. I'm not going to touch NHL for a long time. Jesus. Liar. Here you're I, I play was, with us tonight. Yeah, I'm not going to touch be a pro or e, sure. I'm going to do e, any of that. Nothing on e, stream. Sure. Nothing on stream because I was just getting fucking irate. Hey, I was probably the, the most angriest I've gotten on stream uh, mm. in a long time. And I was just not cool. feeling it. Um, I'm going to play. I'll, go for it. I was just going to say, I'll take all corner of the market on be a pro on stream then. Do it then. Go for it. Uh, there's like five <laughs> I was, people. I, I know. I was playing today. It. I was having fun with it, despite my goalie eleven allowing seven goals in every game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Even even I'm tempted to dip my toe into the pool just to see how bad it is. Like, don't play on real sim. Uh, that's my first thing because your dude loses yeah. the puck every two seconds. Crank yeah. it down one because that's competitive and that's what Eshel's played on, so it has a similar feel. Then just fuck with the sliders. That's all. That's what I'm done. And it's I'll probably do that. I'm, I'm expecting, you know, I'll, I'll do what you said right now. And then when I get down the line and the when I players actually like 85, 86 overall, then I'll go back to realistic. Maybe and I'll change it up a little bit. Who knows? It won't. Um, yeah. Your guy will have like 95 speed and still get beat by back checking defensemen who have like 80 speed. So you'd have to fuck with the sliders still because real their real time stuff is just so broken. It's just there to make you bad. Like, like you have, you have such high speed and you cannot blow by people, which is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Sid, what do you got going on, buddy? As we, uh, again, prepare for a trip across the Atlantic. Yeah. Preparing for that. Um, playing each show with you guys, enjoying it, enjoying NHL gameplay. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Playing be a pro on my own. Yeah. Maybe when I get back, I'll start streaming again, just casual and not worry about that the fact that I don't have alerts or anything like that because my setup won't allow for it. I mean, all you have to do is on the Twitch dashboard, just pay attention to the activity feed and you can still yeah. kind of see I'll what's going on and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, it works out. Works out all right. Uh, and with that, everyone, again, custom rosters are out on the Xbox Series S, Series X. Make sure to check those out if you haven't all already done so. And we will see you all later on this week. We appreciate you. We love you. Goodbye.